If you're in the market for a shooting machine, look no further than Dr. Dish Basketball's incredible lineup of shooting machines. Their CT, All-Star Plus, and Rebel Plus models have been bought by thousands of programs around the world, while their home model is being used by players all over the country, right in their own backyards and driveways. New to the lineup this year is the Dr. Dish Facility Model for those with basketball training businesses. These machines are must-have for those looking to take their shooting to the next level. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. Thanks for tuning in to a Quick Timeout podcast presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. Jared Weiss covers the NBA for The Athletic, does a great job breaking down the pro game and talking about more than just the obvious. Jared, welcome back. So good to be here. It's been a while. It has been a while, probably about a year. I was trying to think about the last time you were here, a year, year and a half. It wasn't a scenario where we were talking about your team that you cover in the finals, I believe. I think we were talking about something else in the offseason. Yeah, why would we talk about the Celtics being in the finals any time before like two months ago, basically? I know. Pretty surprising and pretty wild. We'll actually talk about that. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Who feels better about themselves right now? Boston for having split on the road or Golden State for having blown out the Celtics in the second game? Who cares about results? It's all about process, baby. The process is for the Warriors. I mean, they they are uh, they clearly have been better. You know, what one wild quarter is not going to undo the fact that like those the Warriors have been better for almost this entire series. And that's not shocking because Rob Williams is not right and Celtics are missing a big weapon there. They haven't figured out how to get Grant Williams really involved. He was someone who was really valuable for them leading into the series. And then Al Horford went from hitting every single shot, although not like not being super involved in the offense outside of all those catch and shoots to really, really struggling to find his way offensively, especially because they kept giving him the ball in situations where he like had to put the ball on the floor while getting swarmed by everybody, which is like, that's his big kryptonite right there. It's like Al Horford doesn't want to put the ball on the floor for more than two drinks. Um, and they're usually good about that. So the Celtics have to figure out like I just I just filed a uh, film breakdown so to be on the on the athletic that piece is about the way that the Warriors gambled with their reads going the passing lanes and the they just like nailed almost every single bet that they made and the Celtics fell for it over and over again so I think the good thing for Boston is that they can clean up a lot of these turnovers by just going to the film seeing the way that the Warriors are jumping in lanes seeing the way that they're pre-rotating their health and just knowing where their actual kickout's going to be. I saw in game two, the Celtics, like six of the Celtics had a turnover rate of over 20%, and <laughs> none of them had an effective field goal percentage over 50. I, I don't focus on four factors in a single game too much. It's EFG, I guess, right? But like turnover rate, I kind of struggle with, uh, depending on who the player is. Like if it's a really high usage player, then yeah, sure, I guess I do care. But, you know, if it's if it's someone, like I don't care what Grant Williams' turnover rate is, right? Like he's not, like he's not supposed to be touching the ball a ton, trying to make rim reads and stuff like that. So if, if he has a couple turnovers, so be it. But yeah, Tatum, Brown, those guys just, they weren't really in control. Uh, credit to Draymond. I, you know, you start with him where he muscled those guys up, really, really affected Jalen. And uh, that that just come, kind of completely threw him off. But it also, they they changed Tatum's gathering points. They they made him throw passes too early when he wasn't ready. They, you know, smothered and forced baseline or sideline a few times so they could trap guys. They just, they kind of just like, they took away so much of the stuff that Tatum had really figured out in game in game one. And they took that away. And then Jalen, you know, Jalen, he, he had a solid game one, but it was really like the beginning of the fourth quarter where he just kind of went insane. That's when he got most of his damage done. So, 
you know, I still think Jalen has a ton of work to really find his way in the series. If you're Ime Udoka, is there anything you can do to help your team from getting blown out again in third quarters? No, no, they're cursed. They, they need to find <laughs> some sort of monkey paw or something like that. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't know what that specific thing is about, but it's like, it's real. You can't yeah. avoid the result at this point. Um, I, I think the big thing is it's either they come out completely flat, which I don't think happens a ton, or they let up at some point in the second unit. There's a lineup thing that really works. And, you know, this series, they're playing a lot of Daniel Tice and a lot of Peyton Pritchard. And that's, that's a problem for them on defense. You know, they just, they lose some of their defensive edge. And, you know, there were plays where, like, Tice was in position and guys just finished over him. So, you know, and, and Pritchard, you know, Pritchard is a is a hardworking defender who is just small and teams can finish over him. Or teams can back them, and then they have to do the kickout switches or whatever, and you can counter that stuff. So I think that as long as Udoka is going to a 90-man rotation, it's going to be hard for them to win in those those moments because those are moments where Curry and Poole are going off. And we haven't even seen Clay go off yet. Clay's going to go off in some of those too. You talked about like the transformation of the Celtics. I feel like the current version of both these teams is more similar than the casual fan might think. I saw you tweet this the other night, and I, it's something that stood out to me too. It was very clear in game number two that the Warriors were attempting to push the ball and to get a, an early paint touch to then kind of get those dominoes falling. And the end result a lot of the time was like a guy left open right there in the dunker spot. But then I was watching even as the third quarter, especially in fourth quarter, the Celtics were kind of doing the exact same thing. And obviously game one, game two, there were big differences between the results of those things. But I just found those teams in the first two games have been really, really pretty similar. Yeah, I get what you're saying, you know, because I think that the Warriors were like they were hard switching. Like it felt almost like a show and recover on Tatum a lot there in game two, especially like in that third quarter where they really started to slow things down. And so that's similar to what the Celtics are trying to do, where they're trying to sit up on both sides of the screen. And then, you know, because Steph is kind of dancing on the back side, back of that screen, you don't know where he's going with it. And then eventually that screener slips out of there. And then you got the screener getting the ball and he's got an advantage. And like, that's how the Celtics, then the low man steps up. And then the guy in the dunker spot's wide open for the drop off. And Looney, Looney went, what, six for six? And they were almost all on just like open drop off dunks, essentially. So like, that's what really killed the Celtics. That's what the Warriors really figured out is they figured out how the Celtics like to do their rotations. A lot of the time it's, they rely on Rob Williams. They rely on one guy who right now, a lot of the time it's Daniel Tice. Uh, they rely on that one guy to have to straddle both like the front and the back of the lane. And then they want a wing to then crash down from the weak side to take away the, the guy that's in the dunker spot. And sometimes it's Tatum and Brown. Those guys are just not that good at that right now. A lot was made going into the finals about the Celtics lack of experience. And that seemed to kind of go away very quickly after the first game. But do you feel like this is, is still an advantage? That's still an advantage for the Warriors as the series progresses? Sure. That's always going to be an advantage, right? Uh, it doesn't mean the Celtics can't figure something out and they can't turn the tide on this series. But I do think that like the Celtics there, it, it really has felt like throughout the playoffs that the Celtics have been adjusting from behind. And because Udoka is such a good coach, because their defense is so good, because Tatum and Brown are such great shot uh, hitters, is that better than shot maker? Or is that more accurate than shot maker? I feel like they're capable of hitting bad shots in a way that very few players in the NBA can't. But I don't know if they create good looks 
as well as some of the best players in the NBA, which is part of their maturation process. But so, you know, Boston has been able to overcome playing from behind in these series because they have the talent. They have that incredibly tough defense that's versatile and can handle different types of schemes. And their coaching staff has figured it out over and over again. They definitely can do that in the series. Like, I do think on paper, unless Clay goes scorched earth here and Draymond continues to defend at this elite level, which he's Draymond, so I wouldn't be surprised. I do think the Celtics have the talent. Like, I think they're still better on paper. And it kind of comes down to execution and smarts. And game two, that was all-time – or that was Warriors championship dynastic level execution and smarts. Has Draymond gotten into Williams' head at all? I mean, Rob actually started to get really pissed off at game two. That was actually pretty uh, pretty surprising to see. He doesn't react much. Yeah, him and Grant had their whole thing, and like uh, they were talking about it today. And like Grant, Grant just Grant just talking trash. Draymond's been talking trash. That's like those two guys. I'm sure respect each other. Grant, you know, Grant's someone who he loves being a fierce competitor, but he doesn't like hate anybody. That's not his thing. Jason Tatum, I, he's a great case study for a player who is already a star but has clearly jumped to another level this season. What's been the main reason or reasons for that in your mind? Uh, game just slowed down dramatically for him. Um, he's just like, he's one of those guys that's just kind of like a generational offensive mind, mind is what I'm trying to capture. But like his, his growth rate on offense is generational. He is someone who just makes, he just, he just takes the next step every single year. Like he only had one year where he didn't take the next step and it was year two and even in year two, he still went from catch and shoot player to on the move player. He just it was obviously there's going to be a lot of uh, there's going to be a lot of speed bumps in that. But he uh, the guy's just he's an evolution machine. He is he is going to take the human race to the next level probably. But in, in all seriousness, I just what I think is so good about him is that he was a guy that came to the league with extreme talent, and you know there was a lot of mellow comparisons in that he wasn't efficient. He wasn't. His shots, you know, his shot selection wasn't efficient. The way he went about things wasn't efficient. And the question was, did he have the right values and the work ethic and the open-mindedness to change the way he played? And he did. And he continues to do it over and over again. And this is the year that he started really taking pride in simplifying things to make the right play. And we saw, like, my whole story in game one was about how everyone kept saying he had a bad game. I thought it was, like, one of the best games of his career because he was having a bad shooting night. And it used to be with him, he would shoot three for 17, which he does a lot. And he would have four assists and he would have seven turnovers and he would have no imprint on the game. That game, he had 13 assists. He was he was the, when Jalen Brown's comeback started to lose team in the fourth quarter, it was him that was finding out Horford wide open for three. It was him making quick, smart decisions. Him advancing the ball instead of stopping the ball like he used to. And like, those are the growth points that turn into winning, even if you don't see it in the numbers so much. Although obviously we saw the 13 assists that night. Yeah, when you say the game slowed down, that's the biggest thing for me. It just seemed like he was able to make the right read. And there were even times I saw Steph switch on to him, and he didn't, as in years past, he didn't force a shot or force a move. He gave it up early when he recognized that his teammate was open or had an advantage somewhere over the floor. And, and that just that makes your teammates better. And it, I feel like that can help long-term where you end up with, if he plays well, and couple that with him making right reads and his teammates playing well, that could be something, a formula for the success of the Celtics going forward. I mean, that's why they're winning. Like, they're they're winning because him and, and Brown has improved here too. Just like, I don't think Brown's improvement has been as dramatic as Tatum's. But 
like I think just like JT's values, I think he said it recently when he was talking about being first team all NBA, he was like, at this point, I've already achieved everything on an individual level. Like he'll, but he, like, I think he also realized that if he wants to get all NBA, he saw that he has to win. Wants to become an MVP. You got to win. That's, that's how it works. And so he's been trying to find ways to do things that actually will contribute to winning. Last thing here for the Celtics to win the series, they must what? Um, They must Stop turning it over. I think the defense is going to be okay. Like Steph, Steph has been great. Steph hasn't. It's not like Steph is dropping forty-five on them every single night with ten dimes. Like I mean, Steph probably Steph gets ten assists a game when you just include like the gravity part of it. So he's really doing a thirty and ten every night when you include that. Um, but I think that they just got to stop turning the ball over. Like they just have to have twelve turnover nights. They have to take a lot of threes. You know, the, the threes even themselves out with this team. We've seen it. Like, they don't go seven for 50 very often. <laughs> they have, but they don't very often. And so I, I think just the more they ch- they churn the ball, the more that they force the Warriors to scramble, that's how they win these games. Like, their recipe has been to outlast teams who have been somewhat hurt by making them just scramble on defense over and over again, and then also just beating the crap out of them when, they're, when the Celtics are on defense. And... They don't have a lot of opportunities to beat the crap out of the Warriors because the Warriors are a finesse and offensive rebound team. And Kevon Looney probably hit him with a mallet all night long. He's still going to be standing. Like the guy's a war- the guy's a literal warrior. Uh, he's a literal Golden State Warrior. So, like I just think they just have to be smart on offense because the shot making comes and goes with this team, but it comes enough that as long as they're not giving the ball away in the moments when they're hitting their shots, they're usually okay. Usually when you ask something like that, the opposite then is just whatever you just said, opposite of the Warriors. But is it is it just the opposite, or do the Warriors need to do something else in order to win? I mean, I, I think the big thing is like, so the Warriors have the best player in the series, and I'm not a big fan of that uh, that line of thinking until I sit there and watch Steph Curry, and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. So especially because Tatum's defense has not been – like Tatum, Tatum has played a lot of good defense, but he hasn't been consistently dominant on defense in this in this postseason run. So it's not like there's some sort of huge two way advantage for Boston Star. Like both him and Steph are making pretty pretty comparable impacts on defense right now. So I, you know, I think I think Steph Steph being just such an offensive load constantly and keeping the Celtics on edge in a way that Tatum doesn't do because who does who does it at Steph level? Like that's the big advantage for the Warriors. Um, I, I think the big thing is like I, I do expect the Celtics to have a nice bounce back with their offense because I'm pretty sure that they are going to be able to go to that tape, see all the gambles that Golden State was making, and find some good counters. And then the question is like, can this can the Warriors can they counter that counter within Game Three and take Game Three? And then if they lose Game Three, can they bounce back and take two in a row? Like we know that they're certainly capable of it, especially if Clay starts to find a shot. I'll go ahead and put you on the spot. Do you have a prediction for this? I mean, I had self. I had a Warriors in seven before the series started. Now, I mean, after game one, I was like, all right, well, the Celtics could steal one and they could hit back against an elite Steph performance for three quarters. And I imagine the Celtics have the upper hands. After seeing what we saw in game two, I think it's probably still Warriors in seven, just because we just, we just see that. I mean, it's too like obviously it's too early to know, but I think the big thing with Boston is just that the Jays have generally figured out their offense as the series goes on, and I just don't know if they can do that this time because like this Warriors defense doesn't have that many flaws. Like the one advantage that you can have on them 
is that you could finish over them, but the Celtics aren't really that good of a rim finishing team. So I just and like they don't have the they don't have the lob and drop off game that Rob Williams going right now, and that's like that's another huge thing there. So maybe shooting, maybe the Celtics get hot shooting and they can win just off shooting alone, but. I think they're going to need to find a way to win the battle at the rim if they're going to win the series. So I'd still lean to the Warriors in seven at this point. It's been a good series so far. Maybe minus the fourth, fourth quarter of the second game. But other than that. <laughs> Just yeah. any fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah, that's We've true. We've only had one fourth quarter so far, and it wasn't even competitive. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, it's been, uh, been good so far. Hopefully it'll go seven games. I hope so. That's Jared Weiss of The Athletic. Jared, great stuff as always. Thanks again for coming on the show. Oh, that's great, man. Thanks for having me.